0: Welcome to the Guides Gone Wild podcast. What is Guides Gone Wild, you ask? This is where you'll fill your ears and minds with the stories of everyday, extraordinary women who will inspire you to take your outdoor adventure game to the next level. Whether you're starting your journey from the couch or the trailhead, this is the place for you, so let's get a little wild. Hi y'all,
1: welcome
0: to Guides Gone Wild This is your host, Jen, coming to you two whole weeks into the new year, 2021. I had so much fun talking to the Fly Girls last week that I'm keeping the Buddies on the Water theme going this week, too. My guests today are Sandy Moore and Kimberly Bennett, the authors of Paddling Southern Maine, a great guidebook that I just bought myself as a birthday present to myself, Yes, I'm one of those lucky people whose birthday smacks right up against the holiday season and the new year, so I usually spend January doubling down on planning and scheming about how to get my butt out of my desk chair with more trips and activities. I can already tell that my new copy of Paddling Southern Maine and all the other information these ladies share so generously online and in this episode will get me social distancing on the water a whole lot more this coming spring and summer. I feel like a broken record since I basically say this every week, but you're really going to love this one. These two are a riot together. They know their stuff, and our conversation is jam packed with trips and tips, but thankfully, no map scraps. So let's slide on into my conversation with Sandy Moore and Kim Bennett. All right. I am here this evening with Sandy Moore and Kimberly Bennett, the co-authors of the Paddling Southern Maine book and um, both paddlers, excellent paddlers and water women of their own right. And um, Sandy reached out to me on my Guides Gone Wild site, which I was super stoked about and was excited to start. Uh, conversations with both of them. Kim, I had been secretly stalking online. She didn't know that at the time, but so I was very (laughs) happy to make this connection and set up this conversation tonight because I think we'll have a lot of fun um, chatting. So let's kick this off where we always do. Um, Kim, why don't we start with you? I would love to, I guess, have both of you tell me, you know, why paddling? You know, you both live or live part of the time in Maine, and so there's certainly any number of outdoor activities to choose from in the area, but kind of what had you get into it? Tell me a little bit about your background.
2: Sure, so I grew up in uh, Lincoln, Maine, which is above Bangor, and so my family for vacations, we would go camping in the summertime, and Uh, One of the places that we went was up to the West Branch, the Penobscot River, and Abel Bridge Campground was a place where I grew up paddling, and the first time that I ever paddled by myself was in a canoe, and uh, there was a man there who had actually used to work at the Old Town Canoe Factory, and he let us borrow this small canoe, my sister and I, and we would go out and we would paddle. Um, And then as we got older, I stopped paddling because my sister was that person who wanted to rock the boat and thought it would be funny if we tipped over. And that was, that was not what I wanted to do because I didn't want to touch anything that was in the water. Like I liked being on the water, but did not want to be in the water. So I really thought at that point, my paddling life was over. Uh, and then when I went to college, my mom reached out to me one day and she was like, you're never going to believe what I did today. I went kayaking. And I was like, oh, that's good. You know, I'm happy for you. Really glad that you did that. Um, and she was like, I can't wait for you to come with me. I'm going to buy two kayaks and you and I are going to kayak. And I said, you know, mom, I'm really happy that you found something you liked. But, you know, I am not a small person and I don't think I'm going to fit into a kayak. Like, you've seen my butt. It's not going to fit in a kayak. So I'm not going to kayak. And she said, no, really. Like, these boats are different. They're recreational kayaks. And I didn't know what that meant at the time. Um, But she got me a kayak. And we spent many hours in the summers really paddling together and watching wildlife and just having, you know, those hallmark mother-daughter moments, and, um, and it really was what I fell in love with. And then when my mom uh, passed away, I inherited her kayak, and I was able to bring that to southern Maine and really just kind of started trying to find places to paddle, and I didn't know the area, and just started exploring. So I was that person who would find a body of water and um, put in and see what would happen. Um, so that's what got me paddling in this part of the state.
0: That's so funny. So was your perception of kayaks at the time, like the C ones that have the yes. small. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Okay. I
2: thought for sure that they were all very small openings and that once you got in, the only way to get out would be to tip over. And if something yes. bad happened, <laughs> so <laughs> well. I, that was not something I wanted to do.
0: So I was like, nope, I'm good. So now, now you swim and you were a swimmer, right? Or, yeah, I mean, I yeah. could swim. It I would say just I was like, a strong swimmer, but I yeah. swam, yes. Yeah, it was more just like, I don't want to deal with whatever's underneath there,
2: kind of. Yeah, because of the stuff that could grab you from beneath you know, the things, the, the gross grass. And, and I still, just, you know, as an adult, like when I put in my kayak, I, if it's a gross place to put in, I do it quickly because I don't want to be around that stuff. So I like to be on the water and yes. whatever's in the water. And I do, I mean, I can swim in places, but I prefer places that are sandy or, you know, pools or stuff like yep. that for swimming.
0: Oh, you're speaking my language, man. That, that, it, or, I shouldn't call you man, but you are you are speaking <laughs> my language because that is so true. Like, you know, this, the whole open water swimming thing and then all of a sudden you're somewhere that's just like what just touched me. Yeah. Yes. And I try to be brave because my kids are like, oh my God, that's fish!" I'm like, no, it's fun. It's fun." And then I'm just right. like, I feel like a piece <laughs> of grass like that. I'm like, ah. yes. yeah it freaks me out. Yes. All right. Okay. So that's, that's interesting. Now, my guess is that you have probably capsized since then, but we'll talk about that later. We'll talk about now. You don't that. No, I have not. No. Knock on wood. I have not wow. And you kayak a lot, so that's I do. <laughs> that's pretty epic. Okay. All right, cool. So, Sandy, why don't you tell us a little bit about kind of you and in your paddling and outside stuff?
1: Sure. So, I grew up in Massachusetts um, on a lake, and I have always been drawn to water activity. You know, from the little kid taking swimming lessons blue and shivering that did not put me off we just I just stayed with it um a little bit of sailing I was never very good at it but definitely boats boats have always been a big part of my water life and um I came to Maine for college and brought my love with me and it's oh so much better in Maine and um started whitewater rafting became a guide and again, just kept getting drawn to water, water activities, and some at some point, it became clear to me that people were not understanding the difference between recreational kayaks. They didn't even have proper names, and ocean kayaks. And I kept seeing wrong boats in wrong places, and it started to just become a quest for me to, I've got to correct this. And it took years. I mean, it was over 10 years from concept to when we finally got to this. But it, um, yeah, it just was one of those things where I love it. I love to do it. And then I would look around and say, whoa, that person's in the wrong place with the wrong boat. So that's kind of the origin of it all for me. And so you,
0: did you whitewater kayak at all? Or is it, or was it basically like rafting on the whitewater and then kayaking on quiet water?
1: Right far more my forte I did some whitewater kayaking could roll when needed but not always that puts you off after a while oh yeah but um I bet. yeah <laughs> but I I always enjoyed it but yeah I think uh, over time I just gravitated toward lakes and streams with more I I love currents I love ro- uh paddling and currents but not so much whitewater for my paddling
0: okay yeah that I mean that makes sense that Yeah. I see people do that and it's super scary. I mean, I, when I first learned to kayak, I was freaking out about being like, if I ever did tip over and being Mm -hmm. stuck. And so I did take Mm -hmm. a a lesson early on, which that's what we, we practiced that a bunch. We didn't try to roll, but we just practiced the water exits, which I think was really key in my case, just because I didn't have an open top one. And like, it's very, yeah. I, at least for me, it was very counterintuitive to kind of push yourself backwards. You know what I mean? And
1: Absolutely. So, and I get you're speaking my language. the so minute, important. I'm underwater. I'm like, yeah!
0: so, so uh, I was glad that I had done that. Um, but yeah, for sure. Why, why um, do you, do either or both of you do a lot of saltwater kayaking too, or more freshwater?
1: I do more I'm freshwater. Say that, yeah, I think both of us that that I mean as probably evidenced in the book more because that's where the more protected waters are mm-hmm. we have bays and that kind of thing but if you're in the more protected water you're probably in fresh water more of the time right I do enjoy paddling in salt water that's for sure but not um extended trips you know in touring boats
2: yeah. Sandy had to convince me that it was okay to include salt water because I was, you know, that person who was I was afraid of salt water paddling, I was afraid of, you know, tidal currents and you know going against the tide and that kind of thing. And she assured me she was like, no, really, we can do this. And then um I forget the place that we went first to to do it, and I realized maybe it was the booth bay trip, and um, I yeah. realized that it was doable. Um, obviously you have to be smart about it and people need to have enough skills to do the, the, the salt water and the tides and the currents, but it was definitely something that, you know, with experience, it's totally doable.
0: Yeah. Okay. So now we're getting ahead of ourselves. Let's back up. I want to now understand how did you two meet? I mean, I know Kim, you were doing a lot of blogging and stuff and there, and writing a lot Mm -hmm. about kayaking and Sandy, you were obviously a guide. So kind of how did you two come together initially?
2: So I pursued. <laughs> Sandy stalked me, is basically. Sandy pursued. is a stalker. She was stalking
0: yeah. me. She's very effective at it. She got very
2: well honed
1: skills. I love it. Yeah. I, exactly. It's my superpower. Yeah. I did. She's very I stealth.
2: stealth.
1: Uh-huh. Well, I'm stealth and then I'm persistent, I think yes. is what really did the trick, right? So I did. Yes. I contacted Kim. She was polite, but not. And slightly (laughs) intrigued, but not jumping on board. I said, this book, it's going to be great with it. And then, and what happened? How did I lay you down?
2: (laughs) um, I had, I mean, I had been doing the blog for a while and I did, started the blog basically because again, I, I wasn't familiar with this area of the state and places to paddle. So I started it to remind myself of how to get back to where I had paddled, because if I liked a place, I wanted to go back there. So I started it for myself and then kind of people would say to me, hey, you kayak around here, where should I go? And I said, oh, well, i started this blog. And then word got out and it spread and then Sandy, you know, started harassing me. And um, she, <laughs> she, you know, she said, I'm, I want to do this book. Like it's been kind of a dream of mine to do this. And, you know, I could use your help. And, and I said to her at the time, I had just transitioned into a new position in my career. And I, I said, you know, I could help out with a couple of photos here or there, but I really don't think that I could be your partner in this work. Um, and she accepted that answer for a little while and then came back to me <laughs> and said, you know, Hey, it's been like a year Are you settled in your job and could you help? And, uh, and it took a lot of, you know, really thinking on my part, if I could dedicate the time to really doing a book. And, uh, we started coming up with, well, if we did this, you know, how many places could we really include? And she started listing places and I started listing places and we knew we easily had 50 places, you know, between the two of us that were what, within like an hour of Portland, we had decided, mm-hmm. um, and, and realized that there was something there. So Sandy is definitely the book, you know, she came up with the idea well, to do that. So. And it's
0: interesting that that's what you led with, Sandy, not like, hey, wow, cool article, let's kayak together. It's like, I want you yeah. to write a book with me, a lot of work,
1: let's do this. I got it. Gotta- and I mean, and, I, and in truth, we've probably paddled I could, two hands, you could count them, right, Kim? I mean, we really had to do separate journeys. It was that much work yes. and there was that much. And, um, you know, between us, it was far more about sharing our resources than even getting to paddle together.
0: Now, Sandy, had you been documenting kind of all of these little trips on your own as well in any kind of journal or anything? Or were you just kind of yeah, thinking, absolutely. wow, I, sh- I need to start doing this?
1: So I had a binder and it had tabs on it, and I had a cork board, and I had pins in it, and that tells you a couple of things. Low-tech me, but more importantly, that's how long ago the journey began. Was That was what was available, and that was how I could keep track of things, so I was actively researching and gathering information and writing things up at the same time, and I think that's part of also what appealed to me when I saw Kim's blog, I thought that's very much like how I would have written this had I been on this trip. And so not only was it the subject matter and just that I appreciated her blog for being her blog, I also felt like, nah, no, there's a little bit of consistency between us to start out with. And that's kind of nice. I could tell we were sort of on that same journey, so to speak.
0: Okay. So now I'm going to, I'm going to push us into difficult, um, ground here. And I'm going to mention, why did you think there needed to be another paddling book when the AMC puts out a paddling book about Mm -hmm. Maine? So Mm -hmm. Sandy, why did you think people needed to hear your voice about this?
1: Um, Part of what also was going on for me was I was researching, talk about a stalker. I stalked the every place for what books are out there, what resources are out there. And truly the only book that even addressed what we were talking about, which was quiet water, protected water, um, would have been quiet waters and AMC. And it's a great book. We used it regularly, but um, it was getting older, Some inaccuracies, which just happens. That's what happens when, as things change and what have you. But um, it was very far reaching because it covered basically the entire state, there wasn't a lot in what we were focusing on. For us, and as Kim said, we sort of said, oh, an hour's drive, a sort of circumference from Portland. So that what we were telling people is, these are day trips. You can put your boat on your car or now you're again, this wasn't even as much of an issue, your canoe or your, or your paddleboard. And um, it's not about the drive. You're gonna be on the water and that wasn't really that present in, in quiet waters. You know, it just became really important that if you have this book, you're going to be able to choose from all these different places near you.
0: And so, and it seems like to, um, your focus, well, maybe this was not intentional, but it seems to have been the way it turned out. There, there also seems to be a lot more kind of practical detail like the stuff that you're really wondering about like anyone mm-hmm. no, I shouldn't say anyone because not anyone but the the writing about the actual the water and the paddling mm-hmm. and the you know is one thing but then you know if I'm trying to go somewhere I've never been before mm-hmm. you know I'm very absolutely. Con- I'm concerned about like how do I find the parking lot how is many parking spaces will there be yeah is there a porta potty especially right. you know right. and, and and I'm always trying to get my kids to come and like is this mm-hmm. going to be appropriate for them and so exactly. tell me a little bit about that did you guys plan that or was it like no you
1: just- absolutely that was from the start and I'll let Kim speak on it as well but I'm passionate about that was we felt like We want people to understand. What am I getting into? What is the parking? How many parking spaces? Am I going to get there and it's full? And then what? You know. So, and is it public? I mean, because at the same time as quiet waters, people say, "Well, I just get the gazetteer and go for it," which is a very main thing to do, and I love it. But you don't get that kind of information. So, absolutely, that was a a big point for us was to let people know we're going to take you here and we're going to tell you what you're going to find when you get here then it's going to be your journey and your experience and your adventure but we'll Mm -hmm. give you that
2: it was very intentional because you know one of the things I had learned from doing the blog when people would reach out to me is they would say you know it was so helpful to know that I needed to park on the side of the road or it was so helpful to know there was going to be a parking lot and thank you for describing the put-in spot that it was you know it was gradual or that there was a boat launch or there was you know all those things and it was that really practical logistical stuff that I think, you know, one of the things that Sandy and I both, I think, appreciate is that we want this to be a sport that's accessible to a lot of people. And we want people to be confident going into it because, you know, with any outdoor recreational activity, there are risks. And as much as we can do to prepare people and to keep people safe, we want to do that. And we know that if people feel confident that when they show up to a spot to paddle, that they have a little bit of an idea of what to expect. Um, I mean, we suggest routes of where you could go once you're on the water. But obviously, like Sandy said, it's everybody's individual journey, but we wanted people to know, I mean, the places that we chose, um, you know, we did so for very specific reasons. We wanted it to be easy put ins and, and places that were, you know, I wouldn't necessarily say our focus was family friendly, but most of the places that we're, we have, they are family friendly. Um, and the places that we put in that are a little bit harder, we make sure we, we indicate that. You know that there are places like the brownfield bog where it's not a sandy bottom where you're not going to be able to put in and you know wait around for a little bit without you know getting into the muck so that was really intentional on our part to make sure that that was included
0: although the bog tip there are certain children that would get a really huge kick out of you know mom or dad <laughs> losing their shoe in the bog because not that i'm speaking from experience or anything but that's true that's true that can and they're really you know that can make it very memorable <laughs>
1: yes oh, <yeah. laughs> At someone's expense. <laughs> yes, yes. That
0: and lightning. Those are my two most memorable, you know, never it just for whatever reason, you know, you're in those little microclimates in Maine. Looks like it's going to be a beautiful day mm-hmm. and you're on the mm-hmm. water. And then all of a sudden it's like, <sighs> you're like ah, oh my God, get off. Exactly. Oh, good times. Um. All right, cool. That <laughs> is interesting. So, so Sandy was hell bent to do this, this book thing. And you Kim, kind of, you guys kind of did that casually dating thing for a while, but then you were all uh-huh. in so mm-hmm. and it sounds like each of you probably had done the ma- collectively you had done the majority of the trips it sounds like you wound up writing about but like what was the process like to actually produce the book
2: i think i mean we, we started with our list and you know we tried to remember like all the places that we had been and um you know when we as we started to try to narrow it down you know, we would remember like, oh gosh, I remember this place, but I need to go back and visit it to see if it's a place that I really think I could pitch to other people and feel good about that. And so there was revisiting some of the locations. Um, but even before that, Um, Sandy can talk about this because she did so much legwork and researching because she, I mean, you know, she's so good about guidebooks and she's done a lot more with recreation and and outdoor than I have. So she had researched publishers. She had researched other things. And so Sandy, I don't know if if that's, you know, you want to talk about that process because you did a ton of work with that.
1: Yeah. So that was a polite way of saying I'm obsessed, which I am. I mean, I, (laughs) it, it's been an obsession and I, um, that whole journey to find a publisher was huge. And that became really, a, that was a mission. That took over a year. Um, and it was just researching who would publish this type of book and what, what their formats are and then submitting and queries. And it went on and on and then you have to wait. And most of the time you get no answer at all. Um, so that was a long, difficult process and and um i don't that was just something that you lose hope <laughs> a number of times through that journey but i um and we thought about or i thought about at the same time researching self publishing was becoming bigger and better but i really wanted to find a publisher of guidebooks i felt like this will give us first of all the gravitas the validation if we can get published by a a publisher of guidebooks so that was a that made it more difficult but ultimately I think it was something that helped us so much because once Kim and I did get it 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 was a back and forth process even then my actually my sister-in-law was um, defending her dissertation and we felt like we were having the same journey because (laughs) <laughs> it was just well send me another chapter well d- uh, what about this well how about that can you send me more data it was a lot and it was just kept going and going but ultimately when when it worked out um we were so grateful because we had editors for every element and they questioned and they went back over and they made us go back over and i feel like it was such a strong book because of that you think yes yeah, I, I was
0: gonna. I was gonna ask about the publisher thing because that was, um, that was a, that was a coup for sure. Like, because mm-hmm. I think a lot, you know, the easy way these days would be to self-publish and then just mm-hmm. kind of try to build, you know, an audience another way. But um, you know, that definitely does, to your point, Danny, gives it certainly a lot of heft, and you know, then it's easier to get it into libraries and get it places where you want, want it to be, I would imagine. So that's great. And that's interesting to know. So they were, did they help you like design the cover and do all that stuff too? And,
2: yeah, they kinda, yeah, we had to submit like a like a sample, you know, a couple of trips of what we would do and, you know, when they asked us questions up front, like, do you have the ability to provide photographs and, fortunately, we were able to say yes and, you know, or, or do you have the ability to, to provide maps and that was a whole undertaking that, you know, we had not anticipated, we thought that we would be able to, you know, kind of tell them the location and they would do all the map stuff and and we ended up doing, um, they call them map scraps, uh, where we had to try to really... And
1: we means Kim. We (laughs) means Kim. It was, whatever, wherever she wrote my coattails on the publishing process, I wrote hers for these map scraps. They were an exercise in hell,
2: weren't they? (laughs) Yeah, I might have had nightmares for a while, I'm not gonna lie. (laughs) Um, You know, but I think, so then once we had submitted a couple of things, and they had kind of seen that we could pull this off, um, that's when they really tried to you know hone in a little bit more on what our goal was in our geographical area and right. um, We had some debate about the title um, We really you know had thought about like day trips within an hour of Portland and um, and they our publisher is from um, You know the other Portland in and, and they didn't mm-hmm. know Maine and they said well It's why don't we just call it Southern Maine and you know for the people who have grown up in Maine and love Maine Um, Portland is not necessarily southern Maine. Um, It's, you know, the Kittery area and stuff like that is southern Maine. And for me, growing up above Bangor, a lot of people will say that that's northern Maine. But growing up where I grew up, I know that's central Maine. And so (laughs) for somebody from afar or from away, as we like to say in Maine, you know, says, oh, that's southern Maine. You know, Sandy and I both cringe a little bit because we were like, oh, you know, the people who are actually going to buy this book might look at it and have, you know, take some issue with that. Yeah. um so like we southern
0: maine is massachusetts shut up
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> yes yes so that was you know we so we had to go back and forth with the publisher you know about different things and um you know and we did have some debates with them and um you know some of the fun stuff was that we would put down like in brunswick when we were doing directions you'd put main street with an e and they kept taking it off and we right. were like no 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 that's no, no. The main the e <laughs> is supposed to be on that main street like so things like that and you know, or they would say there can't really be a road called Pucker Brush Way or whatever it was. And we were like, oh no, there is. So, um, you know, or they would say, well, we need a landmark in your directions. And you're like, you're in Maine and there's dirt roads and the trees are the landmarks. Like there isn't a landmark to, <laughs> to go by. So those are some of the challenges that, you know, were kind of funny to work through with everybody.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. So once they kind of you know once the well i guess uh, good interesting question that i'd be interested in hearing is just like how so like when you really started working on it full bore to when it came out how much time had passed
2: oh gosh <laughs> <laughs> how long was that that's a really good question i mean you, I so it was published you in
0: us. first quarter 2017 right is it march 2017 mm-hmm. okay yep. and so like yeah <sighs>
2: I'm trying to think. Something came up in my memories. Thank goodness for social media. Um, on my Facebook page, that was like four years ago. We had finished like you know twenty percent of the book. Mm-hmm. So I think, um, you know, I think that we we had set goals from the publisher of when we needed to accomplish certain things. Um, mm-hmm. I think it probably would be safe to say it took probably a year. Do you think, Sandy, to try to get everything? Yeah, together.
1: Uh, yeah, between all the back and forths and yes. um, it was a very intense yeah, be- year. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then they. When we were finally done, we had to wait because, you know, they—it's really publishing is—it's a tough one. I mean, they only publish however many they're going to in a publishing house. I don't know, maybe they did twelve a year or something. And so you're you're on their schedule. So we went through all that, and then we had to wait until it was our turn in line to come out. So yeah, I think it was about a year of actively working. Yeah, Um, got pretty intense. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, yeah, I can imagine.
0: I mean, I I would have I was expecting you to tell me it took a lot longer than that. So I'm like, oof, yeah. that sounds... I mean, the
2: pre-work, I think before they actually finally gave us our mm-hmm. contract and stuff like that took, you know, a few months before that too. So, you know, you can definitely add some time onto that. But from the time that we actually got the green light that we this was actually going to come to fruition, mm-hmm. I think from between that time and the time that we finished, it was about a year.
1: Okay. It was easily six months prior to though, don't you think? When we were oh, yeah. trying to convince them? Easily. Yeah. yeah. Wow.
0: Mm-hmm. So have they been trying to convince you guys to do another one? <laughs> we so I've heard that more from other the, people.
2: Yeah. Yeah. yeah I've, you know, a lot of people reach out to me and say, you know, when are you going to do a Northern Maine one or an Eastern Maine one? And, um, and it's, it's one of those things that it takes so much time to research the areas that um, you know true confession. I would love to retire and have that be my full-time job um, <laughs> But <laughs> that doesn't pay the bills, you know I mean people think oh, yeah. once you publish a book you're you know, you're gonna make a lot of money on it And that's not the case, especially, you know, our publisher Mountaineers is, a, is you know Pretty much a nonprofit organization that you know is not about making money So it's it's we we're so happy that we have the book out there, but it was not to make money for us And so right. to take the time and resources Um, you know, I don't have that ability right now to take that amount of time off that it would take to do another book. Um, I definitely have plays on my blog that are scattered throughout the state of Maine that I've done, um, that I've paddled, but putting it into a book right now, unless I could have, you know, a lot of time to really do that yeah mm-hmm. I was I thinking I mean
0: Kim you still have a pretty intense job like a job <laughs> job so <Yes>. yeah <laughs> just like I'm like well how is she finding time to do all this holy cow yes so. yeah
2: well when we were publishing it was you know Cindy and I would joke because Um, you know, as an assistant principal of a high school, there would be days where, you know, my day ended, you know, five o'clock, six o'clock at night after starting at seven o'clock in the morning. And then with those deadlines, you know, I would come home and have to shift gears quickly into, you know, finishing the book or working on the book. And so it would mean staying up until, you know, 12 o'clock, you know, working on copy and working on, you know, getting the notes from the copy editor and making sure what we were doing. And, um, you know, that winter, which, was a blessing in disguise for me because I typically, you know, at that point in my life, was not much of a winter person. I, I preferred to stay inside. So the book was a really good excuse to avoid the <laughs> snow and avoid outside for that winter. Um, I've embraced it more since then. But uh, it's something that, you know, for that winter, really, it, my life was work in the book, and that was that was it.
0: Yeah, that sounds super intense. Um, interesting. So, all right. So let's switch gears a little bit. I mean, I assume you both very happy with the way it came out. And it's been a cool experience to be kind of known as the authors of this quality tome, Mm -hmm. which is awesome. Um, And I would imagine that a lot of people probably now, even more so than before, come to you for guidance on other stuff so let's talk a little bit just about paddling in general because you know as we talked about it's it is a little different than just like going for a hike in that you've got this added element of water which can be a complicating factor and also you can't just use your two feet and some shoes you need like equipment um so let's talk about if somebody has never ventured out like what's the best yeah, you know, what's kind of the minimum viable setup that maybe somebody should look to rent or try out or maybe even pick up used or whatever to be able to get out on the water once in a while. What's what's your take on that?
2: I would say find somebody who likes to kayak and and you know, for for a lot of people they happen to have extra kayaks. That's something that when I, you know, really did this, I decided that I would love to take people with me and I bought a second kayak to have to be able to take someone with me and the kayaks that I use um our old town loons and they're super stable and they're very wide and so for people who are just starting out that's a really, really comfortable boat for people to try. And so one great way is to find somebody who's familiar with the sport and has the equipment and, you know, and, and kind of invite yourself along. Um, and that's, that's one way. Uh, and definitely renting is a, is a good thing. There are definitely local places where you can rent um, kayaks and you can take lessons from the people who own those shops. And, and that's a good idea too. And that's both for recreational kayaking and sea kayaking. Um, and Sandy has much more experience with sea kayaking than I do, but, um, I don't know, Sandy, do you think the similar, similar venue?
1: Yeah. Yeah. But you know, I get more hardcore than you on this subject. (laughs) I know. That's why I'm (laughs) I'm giving it to you. But I like it. I like your, uh, I like your approach. I would, (laughs) the one addition I would say is my, my heart sang, Jan, when you said that you took that one course or class where you had to wet exit fall out of your kayak. And I feel like it's just this piece of it that at least if you experience it, you'll know what it's going to feel like when it happens. Because even I'm comfortable in the water and when you tip over, it you don't know what your immediate response will be. It's, it's a good thing to experience. I feel like everybody should take that one basic class where they say okay now we're going to all tip over and they assist you and you tip over and then you get yourself out of your boat then you know okay when i get up i i can't panic cuz now i have to get my boat emptied and just that very basic instruction i think it's important um i just think it's that that little piece of of self knowledge and then the other part of it is um kim teases me that i'm a gearhead because i am i love to and it's not new equipment. I love the right piece of equipment and the, just that right thing that works real well. But I will say, uh, I, I love that boats are more and more inexpensive, but you've got to have a boat with flotation, which means it has to have a bulkhead, which means there's some piece of it. There's one of my dogs. Some part of it has to have that closed off, either bow and stern or at least one side where it will stay afloat. If you capsize, Kim, do your sense? loons have
0: that? Because I, because I, when you were saying that, I actually have a loon that I bought off Craigslist, like good lord, uh, 25 years ago, you know, and it was used very well at that point, and I still use it. It's wicked heavy, but other than that, it's. <laughs> but I could, but it's, but it's a shorter one, so you know, right. like sometimes I struggle when it's really windy and stuff. But, but I did at the time, and I learned this actually in the class that I took too. Was um, just because water scares the bejeebers out of me. Um, I had a blow up thing because it didn't have a closed mm-hmm. um, bulkhead. So it had this mm-hmm. little pointy, you know, inflatable thing right. that I would have to put into it, which, you know, I got to be honest with you, I kind of slack on, on now, but now that you're saying <laughs> that it, it, it is totally legit to, um, I, that's a good, a really good point that I hadn't thought of, but.
2: Yeah. My newest loon kayak has, has a bulkhead and um, it's behind the seat for sure. And it definitely is, you know, a smarter way to go. Um, The other um, kayak that I use the most is my tandem loon kayak that I have. Um, I pretty much bought a kayak for my dog, to be honest with you, because I like to take her with me. Um, She's main kayak dog, by the way, on social media. And um, she, you know, so the loon, that one does not have bulkheads. Um, It's an older, older loon and Um, I took the front seat out so that she has plenty of room and I have plenty of room um, to enjoy that. So that boat does not have um, any of the precautions that Sandy's talking about. So, But we both wear our life jackets all the time when we're kayaking, which is another important thing. And um, Mm -hmm. that's That's something that I, you know, over time have learned that it's more and more important to wear your PFD for sure.
0: Yeah, that's, that's definitely, that's one of those things that I kind of like, even people who are just kind of getting into any of that stuff casually, I'm like, just go to West Marine and buy yourself like something that fits you. And then you just have it. any, you know, you're going to SUP, you are going to be on a kayak, you Mm -hmm. can try something else, whatever. You want to just like be lazy and float around when it's hot out. Like you you won't regret it. It's like 30 bucks or whatever it is. Well, I think the
2: thing, the cool thing about, you know, kayaking equipment and paddling equipment is that once you have it, I mean, it is an investment for sure, Mm -hmm. but once you have it, it lasts. And it's something that you know, it, it's the only thing, it's once you invest in it, years later, the only thing that you're spending to do the sport typically is gas money. Um, there are some launch sites that require a fee, but most places you can access are free. And so once you have the equipment, it doesn't cost you anything to go and do those things. And so it is, you know, it is valuable to, to save up and get, you know, a little bit of a better boat just to make sure that you are going to be safer on the water. Um, not to say, I mean, I'm not an, you know, an equipment snob, and I think people, if people can be on the water, be on the water but just make sure that if you are in some of those, um, you know, smaller boats that don't have the bulkheads, that you are staying close to shore and that you're in places that don't have crazy currents and that kind of stuff, know the conditions, know the ability of what the boat can do, the performance. Um, and Sandy has definitely had that influence on me because she's, she's, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> she's much more structured with, she's the rule follower with that stuff, um, <laughs> which I have greatly appreciated. And I've learned a lot from her with that.
0: Yeah, that's good. No, that was definitely so the the way I kind of experienced it. Like, I decided I wanted to, you know, for me I, at the time I was, you know, fairly young, didn't have a whole lot of money, couldn't afford to buy anything new. But I was like, I found somebody who was selling all their gear on right. Craigslist, and I mean, I I, I probably spent three hundred and twenty bucks for the whole thing, had the paddle yeah. and the, some spray skirt and all this other stuff, and and I found that just over time, as I kind of grew more accustomed to it, I just learned what the limitations were of the boat, and mm-hmm. so when those conditions were there, then I would just, you know, alter my plan or, you know, right. not go exactly where I thought I was going to go because I knew I'd get into trouble or, you know, have to struggle getting back out again, you know, <laughs> currents and tides can be, can be uh treachery, you know, a little, a little, sketchy. So um, yes. that's, that's a really good point. But like, speaking of but that, I, oh, go, go ahead, Sandy.
1: No, I was going to say, again, I like Kim's, I'm not an equipment snob. <laughs> She's not, I'm not an equipment snob, but I will say this. I agree you know, get that boat but boats are getting lighter the reason and I think Kim will agree with this see how this book thing worked it's good we bounce <laughs> off and we wear each other down but um, the boats are getting lighter and one of our things is it's so empowering and it's so important that you be able to transport your own boat and there's nothing worse than your boat's too heavy you're just not going to want to go If you can't get the boat onto your car yourself or you can't get it up onto however it is that you transport or just some, my point here is if you can get a lighter boat somehow somewhere, look for that, look on Craigslist, look at Uncle Henry's because you, it will change your life that you can actually transport your boat on your own.
0: Yes. Yeah, for sure. And that that is actually, my boat is the very upper limit of what I can just, mm-hmm. and only because it's as short as it is, because if it was longer, I'd, I'd probably, right. you know. Um, yep. That's a really good point. And I do think that those are going to be, I think there's going to be a lot of good used options in another 18 months Absolutely, when all yes. the pandemic <laughs> buyers are just like, oh no, I want to go sit in front of Netflix again. And so then they're going to be selling yes. their stuff and get some good deals. Yes.
2: Awesome. I do think the good the emphasis there too about loading your, equipment is hugely important. Mm -hmm. And that's something that, you know, sometimes I do try to get some groups of people together to paddle. And, um, and that's something that, you know, we definitely help each other load and unload our boats and that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. But I think it is really important to be able to do it on your own. Um, And what I would say is practice it. It's something that for me, um, when I take people with me, you know, sometimes people have said, you know, you've made me really feel, um, well, I'll go ahead and say it. it was a guy who said, you know, in a way I feel emasculated. And I said, well, why do you feel emasculated? (laughs) Well, I'm just standing here, like you're doing all the work and I'm just standing here. And I said, well, I have my routine. And I know exactly how how far up I put it on the truck, and I know how I turn it over, and how I you know use the straps, and um and you know you can just stand there and you know take the paddles apart like that's what I need you to do, and <laughs> and it's really about that routine and doing the same thing every time so that you know you're doing it safely that it's it's gonna stay on your car, um you know some different social media that I'm a part of every once in a while you'll see that a kayak you know somebody was driving and their kayak came off their car in the middle of the highway, and mm. we just don't want that to happen because you don't want to ruin the boat, but you also don't want to have accidents and that kind of thing but um, you know practice if you don't know how to put your boat on your car ask for help you know ask for people to come and show you and then have them keep showing you until you can do it by yourself
0: yeah also worth noting when you're assessing whether you can put it up or not, when you're, if you're going to buy something, remember that uh, at the end of the day, you're going to be a little more tired than you are at the <laughs> beginning of the day, especially your Very upper true. body. So, you know, that sometimes <laughs> is like, oh crap, I got this off, but I am just toasted, you know, <laughs> it's windy. Absolutely. <laughs> Which probably means I'm not doing it right, but whatever.
1: Um, <laughs> no, that's not true. <laughs> so
0: I want to hear from both of you, just random question. Cause I was, cause we were are talking about wind and lightning and currents and crazy stuff like that. Um, what is the scare? What, what was, has each of your scariest moment on the water been? (sighs) You're both still here. So (laughs) spoiler (laughs) alert, it all worked out, but.
2: (laughs) I, you know, I've been very fortunate that I haven't really had a lot of, um, you know, scary experiences. I would say that, you know, for me, it was really more of, um, (laughs) some really close unintentional wildlife encounters more so than the weather conditions or or those kind of things. Um, You know one of my favorite things with paddling my mom is we were you know up near Katahdin and going through this really narrow stream that had some corners that opened up into a bigger pond that we knew because we had been there several times and um, you know my mom was very chatty and, and different things and I was in front and you know, all of a sudden I stopped and she didn't know why I stopped and she just kept running her mouth and you know chatting and chatting and I finally like tried to very slowly tell her to, to shut up and it was because there was <laughs> this huge bull moose was laying down in the grass, like you know, seven feet from my kayak. Oh my god. And I was like, if this guy <laughs> moves, like, you know, and sure enough, as my mom kept talking, this huge moose like stood up and like looked down at me. And, you know, at that moment, my mom stopped talking finally. And, um, you know, and, and he just looked at me and I thought for sure, I was like, this is it. It's death by moose. Like, this is how I'm going to go. And, you know, and he just kind of moved, you know, moved his head back and forth and let me know that he was not too happy. And then he walked back into the pond and we backed up and, and got out of there. So I would say that was probably, you know, fortunately, that's, you know, probably my scariest thing because I, I really do try to pay attention to the weather and, and knock on wood have not been caught out in the storm. Um, you know, for that part. And when I've done places with a lot of currents, I tend to, I don't do those by myself. I always go with people. So that's yeah. my scariest, which I'm very fortunate. That's pretty, that's a, that's a good one though. We got stuck <laughs> on moose. Good
0: one. I, I'm like, I'm like sitting here mulling, mulling in my head, like how would the moose kill her? What do you know? <laughs> would he gore her? He no, would he step on, lay down on her boat, drown her? I, yeah. I was, I was all of the above. Yeah, yeah. Cause man, they move fast and they can swim <laughs> like crazy. I've definitely seen that yeah. fortunately from afar. Cause that would have Yes. <laughs> I, I did have some bears it's Exciting. pass, across a little stream in front of me once when I was up in go back on a kayak and I was like, whoa, but they didn't mm. care. They were just like, whatever, yeah. you are here, we're here. All good. Yeah. How about you, Sandy? Tell me well, a terrifying thinking, moment.
1: It's so much less dramatic, but <laughs> also... Just goes to show you, I mean, we warn people all the time, check the weather and then before you go on the water, check the weather again and know what to look for and look for the signs and look for the shape of the clouds, et cetera. And so I was on Rang Pond probably about four years ago and um, I, I just got captivated by these loons that were very close to me and I was just clicking away, just with my phone, but I was photographing these loons and having this wonderful time and in the background I'm hearing Rum, all these motors and everything I'm, I'm oblivious but I'm hearing it and I realized afterwards um, that was all the power boats returning into shore because a huge anvil cloud had formed with an <laughs> afternoon thunderstorm and I, I truly was oblivious and I looked up and saw what was happening at the same moment that the skies opened and it it was a deluge and i was really afraid because what's the right move you know where how far am i from shore where am i going to get to where will i pull my boat up it it was a lot it was frantic paddling i'm just going to say that frantic paddling and a lot of well that was kind of keeps you honest situation where. That's what happens. Pay attention.
2: That's but way more dramatic, Sandy. Way more. I know dramatic. that is
0: way more dramatic. Yeah. I was already like is captivated it? by the loons, and then you're talking about this like <laughs> crazy storm. Like
1: it, it makes me feel foolish, but again, that's what it takes. I mean, that is that is something that we do talk about as well. Is that it, you, you, they do pop up that quickly? Yeah. You know, yeah, I, I can you never uh, know. I can attest to that.
0: How about? um so the the book is prim- primarily day trips or all day trips, just quick mm-hmm. day paddles. Do either of you do any like long distance, like overnight camping, like multi-day paddles? I have not.
1: No. I have um, just limited. Usually yeah. happens more up north. I've had a couple of places on Moosehead. I... Ten to oh i've I've actually gone out to peaks and not camped, but um done longer journeys. And I also found out another fun fact about me. I can't do swells. I get incredibly seasick,
0: oh, yeah, during, <laughs>
1: out on um, big boats doing swells, so it's not my sport, but um, yeah, I've done some, you know, lakeside camping, yeah, it's all great, yeah, I think part of also why, for me, why the book was so important is it makes the trip so accessible and then you can get comfortable with something like that and then go on and do that. But at least you know, hey, this is available and accessible and I can do it.
0: Yep. Yep. Absolutely. For sure. So that's a great segue. One of the other things I want to ask you both was, so just thinking from your perspective and don't look at each other's papers, what would be kind of a like the trip you would recommend um, for a total beginner, a trip you would recommend for like a multi-generational family group, and maybe the first place to go solo if you've got a decent amount of experience and safety under your belt.
1: Wow.
2: (laughs) I love to ask wicked (laughs) long questions and then interrupt you 5,000
0: times so you can't even answer them. (laughs)
2: <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to um, answer the middle one first as far as a multi-generational place to go. Um, I would say the Presumpt Scott River, the stretch that is in Gorham and um, Wyndham, and you can actually, at Shaw Park, and uh, Gorham is part of the rec department, and in Gorham you can actually rent canoes there. And um, that's a place where, you know, the, the river is very slow moving um and and chances are that you know if you have kids bring you know you're gonna see turtles there are tons of turtles there in the summertime to be out and to be seeing and kids love it there when i've taken uh, i used to take my nephews there i've taken friends who have kids there And they love it. Um, And then, you know, at certain times of the year, you get pink lilies along that river, which, you know, a lot of people really love. Um, So you can have the whole family have something to do. And then if you paddle far enough up, you can go under Babs Bridge, which is one of the covered bridges in Maine. And so the scenery is just absolutely gorgeous. And it's something that it's not a super long trip. And so depending on the attention span of, you know, if you've got kids with you, um, it's something that really can um, offer that you know, for everybody, there's something for everybody. And I think it's, its there are little places that you can, offshoots that you can go to and explore, um, you know, tons of birds and different turtles. And, um, you know, and if you're really brave, there is a railroad trestle that people jump off. I would not recommend that, but um, <laughs> that's something that people do in that area. But, um, you know, I think for multi-generational, I think that would be one of the ones I would recommend that's in the book.
0: Yeah, that sounds great. That, that checks all the boxes, even the railroad bridge <laughs> box for uh, those of us inclined. So that,
2: that's oh a
1: great boy.
0: one. What do you what, what do you think? Uh, any, do any of those it, you want to answer?
1: I'll do a multi-generational as well. Um, <laughs> I was thinking, probably rang Pond because mm. I, I love options. I love, well, you can swim, you can even barbecue, you can grill, and then you can go out and paddle and enjoy that piece of it and i think that's a lot of fun is to be able to be in your boat but out of your boat it's a really good one with short attention spans and how long do people want to be out and then at the same time some people can be in and some people can be out so i like that kind of um flexibility you're not on a river where there's no chance for anybody to stop or wait or go and so i'm gonna go with rang pond rang pond okay Okay. that's a good one
2: Mm -hmm. I think my answers for the beginner and the solo paddle would actually be similar because I think if you're starting to paddle by yourself, it's kind of smart to go to the, you know, similar places that you would go as a beginner um, yeah. just so that you'd gain more of your confidence. Um, I think both Kennebunk Pond and Bonnie Eagle Pond that are in the book are both really good for beginners um, to go and to, you know, to just experience that. And, um, and I would also say Great Pond in Cape Elizabeth, especially if you're trying to get kids. Um, you do have to carry your boat down to that pond, just quite a little bit of a walk. But Mm -hmm. the cool part about, you know, Great Pond and Cape, Cape Elizabeth is that it's small enough. Um, In fact, when we first started looking at including it, I was like, nah, that's too small. We're not going to, it's not going to be interesting. Mm -hmm. Like who really Mm -hmm. wants to explore that? Um, But then when you get there, it's just beautiful. Um, And there are birds. It's a great place for bird watchers. And, um, and there are places where, you know, the kids could go off on their own a little bit, but you'd still know where they were and they could go in in behind some reeds and then, you know, come back out and um, that kind of thing. So I think. Probably Great Pond, Kennebunk, and Bunny Eagle Pond would be probably the three I would suggest for. What was the um, third one?
0: Bunny Bunny Eagle. Bunny Eagle
2: Pond. Bunny yeah. Eagle. Bunny Eagle. Yep.
1: You took too many. <laughs> uh, I, I, I know exactly. <laughs> Kenny Pond is one of my favorite to suggest because of that because I feel like it's easy to get into the water. It's a sandy bottom, tends yeah. to be really warm water, which is great because who doesn't want to be able to wade around in warm water if you're just figuring it all out? So. That's a really good one. I've brought people there when they're just starting out. Yeah.
0: How about Sandy, since you do more saltwater, how about Mm -hmm. can you think of any um, kind of not not freshwater beginnery type trips?
1: Yeah, sure. So the thing about saltwater is um, most, a good number of the trips are not all tied necessarily, meaning you do have to pay attention to the tide. And it's important. And if you're not willing to put in learning that bit of information, I have an app. I put an app on my phone. So I know specifically in what area, what the tide will be. Or even, you know what, let
0: me complicate this a little bit and maybe, or maybe this Mm -hmm. will make it easier. Um, how about like, um, guided trips that you know about, that would be a really great, one to go on in salt water that you you like because there are trips that are just kind of like oh mm-hmm. this will hook them on it because it's so you know great yeah. and then you have the added aspect of safety of being a guided trip and you probably sure. get the equipment and all that.
1: Okay so two things. First I don't want to discourage people from not going on saltwater. Um West Bath if you go to I've gone New blank Meadows. Kim New Meadows River New Meadows River, yes, New Meadows. A River is yes. a great place to start. It's almost all tied depending on where you are at in the tides and the and the sequence of tides you can almost always get on or off but pay attention you don't want to probably go dead low um, that's when people can handle and it's a great trip so I don't want to discourage people I'm just saying that um, yeah pay a little bit of attention but definitely some protected salt water is amazing so I'll say New Meadows River for that as far as a guided trip I'm going to say that one that I hooked came up on or hooked her on salt water with is the Booth Bay trip. A couple of outfitters that run trips from there. I can't think of who they are, but um, what's our trip called, Kim? The Booth Bay
2: trip. <laughs> it's, um, oh goodness, I have it here. Um, Sheep, it, no, it's not the Sheep's goat. Well, it is the Sheep's goat,
1: but it's not, it's that's back, not the-, oh, the back yeah. river out to the Sheep's Back river out to the Sheep's So it's in Booth Bay. And it's at the far end of, it's where we sort of bent the rules about one hour from Portland. Um, but if you were to go on a guided trip there, it's wondrous. It's great. Yeah. And I would say that's a really good one to do that kind of thing on. Yeah. No, that sounds good. I would I go by to New different... Meadows
2: as a beginner one for saltwater. I have a friend of mine who's very nervous about trying saltwater. And, mm-hmm. and that's my plan is to take her there um, in June to take her for her first water saltwater plateau. And there's, you yeah, know, salt, the Scarborough Marsh with Audubon too is another one that a lot of people are familiar with in Southern Maine. Um, mm-hmm. And Audubon does trips. They even do like, you know, full moon trips in the marsh, um, which would, you know, and, it did, and that is saltwater.
0: Yeah. Okay. That's good. Um all right. Awesome. Those are also,
1: great. Also, well, I was going to say if you join up with any groups that go, that's another good way, as as you were saying, Kim, to get comfortable with that kind of thing. But a lot of times groups will go on group little group excursions, like from their point, from the boat launch, that kind of thing. That's a great way to get familiar and be around enough other people. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm.
0: Awesome. Yeah. I think the, uh, ladies adventure club does some trips and you know, like mm-hmm. what you're talking about, you know, meeting up with some other folks and mm-hmm. going out. So that's good. How about fueling yourself when you are out for the day? What are your go-to like food and or, and or beverages besides water that you I'm
2: like? really boring on? with my beverages. I am just a huge water person. Well, yeah. Water is just pretty much laundry. where it's at. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, I take, you know, fruit, um, and you know, you, you know, peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Um, and that pretty much sustains me, but I think the fruit for me also like grapes also, you know, hydrate. So I think that's a dual purpose for me when I take fruit, granola.
1: Yeah, I do just the same. I, I like, um, cut up watermelon, that kind of thing, just because of that, because of the hydration as well as the water, but then, and I'm big on snacks. I, eat more in my boat than I do the whole rest of the day. You know, I'll have a banana. I'll just have things that I pull out whatever fruit is in season, you know, an apple. Um, I just find it's, um, it's a good boost, keeps you out there longer. So I love having lots of snacks.
0: Yeah, for sure. And actually that's a great point about the, you know, additional hydration, even in your food. Like the thing I was just kind just thinking about was, um, sun protection, which is the other thing mm-hmm. I think for yes. beginners sometimes, like you think, you think, oh, I put some on and I have a hat on. It's like mm-hmm. the reflective thing. It's just like when you go skiing, like you, you know, I, mean, right. I, I have burnt this underside of my nose so badly, <laughs>
2: you know, cause you're like,
0: I'm wearing sunscreen. I'm fine. I right. got a hat
2: on. You're like, right. You know, and then you can't, yeah, for sure. I your nose. I reapply you. a lot. I, I yeah. tend to burn super easily. And, um, you know, if you're out there, well, I like to go actually super early in the morning, which you're a little bit safer with the sun but if, if i'm out there in the afternoon i will stop multiple times and reapply the sunscreen
0: <laughs> right right yeah good points all right cool all right well i'm gonna wrap this up because i've had you way too long already and we all gotta go eat dinner um favorite piece of gear under fifty dollars <laughs>
1: <laughs> i'm laughing because i said kim and i were just sort of texting a little bit back and forth she said should we talk beforehand no oh, no we'll just wing it whatever and I said, don't forget, because she's going to ask I'm you going to ask it. Thing. Oh, yay. You
2: remember. And so
1: Kim, you and, and you Kim still don't said, have an answer,
0: but you, asked, but you remember.
1: No, but what's funny is, Kim said, you're the, well, you might have called me a gearhead. You're the gearhead. I don't have that kind of thing. I don't know what I would do. And I got all excited by it. Like, let me see. I was like this evil yeah. whatever trying to pick my favorite piece of equipment. So it's just funny to me. Well, well it's I gearhead, though
0: it's challenging for a gearhead sometimes, though with the with the fifty dollars cutoff, because sometimes really? gearheads are like all about like <laughs> camping themselves out, so. <laughs> Well, I have a few
2: things that I thought of, but I think combined they're probably under $50. Um, I, one of my favorite things to do on paddling is photography. That's just, it's, you know, my other big passion is I just love to take pictures. So an extra cam- uh, battery for my camera is always a good one. Um, and obviously a Nalgene bottle with water. Um, and then I will say the other thing that, you know, I have found is it's like a dog tag, but it's from the website road ID. And it has um, my name on it and my emergency mm-hmm. contacts. And also allergies that I have, so that if you know, God forbid, I did tip over and needed medical attention, there's a way to contact people. And so it's just I wear a dog tag, you know, when I paddle, especially if I'm by myself, so that if anything were to happen. So that's something that um, I think it's like 20 bucks on Road ID to to get that, and it's definitely something that just makes me feel safer. And it makes my family knowing that I paddle so much by myself makes my family feel better when I'm out there by myself.
0: Yeah, that that's a great that's a great recommendation. I don't think anybody's ever made that before, but I think that's a that's a really solid one. So, all right, They're Sandy, really good, stakes wow. are high. Not bad for
2: somebody who's not a gearhead. I know, I know. Huh? She just she's <laughs> like, I'm gonna get you. Oh, yeah, get no, him out
1: right now. No, I appreciate that, and I. Approve, one hundred percent. I just <laughs> clear my good name. It's not, as I said, it's not the newest, best, whatever. It's just when you find something and it really changes things for you. That's exciting, you know. Like a, so, for instance, I um, was finding that my time out on the water was getting shorter because I was getting really uncomfortable sitting in my boat. And I know there's a lot of like ergonomically better designed seats and what have you, but um, it it just gets uncomfortable. And I tried something called Yak Pads. It's a, it's a gel seat, just the base, not the one on the back. Um, I think I got it at Beans at the time and changed everything for me. And I've recommended it to a number of people and to a person they've thanked me. It's just this little layer. Is it's, it Yak, like Yak committed? tracks, like Y-A-K, Yak Pads? Y-A-K, all one word, P-A-D-S. Um, I'm sure you can find them online and I know Beans carries them. It's just, it's that layer that just gives you that much more comfort and your sciatic, everything. It's just, just enough that you get a lot more time out on the water, a lot more comfortably. And then the other thing for me is um, I'm kind of short-waisted. So wherever I'm sitting in my boat, it gives me just that little boost up. And so everything fits better for me. I have a, a little more elevation. So it's just really comfortable and really helpful. And I say you should try it, Gearhead head that I am.
0: I think I'm going to. That sounds like, but also mm-hmm. an epic because that is uh, for sure. Like, and especially because I don't paddle that much. So my butt pretty much always hurts mm-hmm. when I paddle because it's not used to it. <laughs> that is an excellent suggestion. What else? Did you there come you up go. with anything else? You said for instance, Um, so I'm like, she's picking from like a list of of (laughs) twenty
1: things. No, I'm I um, I, I just want to defend my good name. (laughs) I think another thing that I thought of that's also important to me is a a good a dry bag, a good quality dry bag, which depending on your size certainly is under fifty dollars, where you can fit your phone. um, I usually throw a washcloth in because sometimes you need to get your hands dried. You know what I mean? You're, t- you're going to use your phone or you're going to do something. Or your hands are wet from paddling, but all those snacks. So I just find a good dry bag invaluable, not yep. one that gets in the way. Just find the one that's the perfect size for your boat and just tuck it right in there. Got to love a good dry bag.
0: Guts. Yep. To have a good dry bag. Yeah, I do love a good dry bag. Use them more mm-hmm. and and you can use them when you're not paddling too. Just one somewhere and it's gonna rain. Throw it in your trunk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Excellent. Soccer fields, whatever. That's awesome. Um, yeah. All right, cool. Well, this has been super fun, and I kind of want to get a pizza and maybe some beers and just hang out some more. But there let's do go. it.
2: Let's do it. We I should can? get we should get you together for a paddle oh, at some point too. No,
0: I know. Once this cooking stops and they let all of us holes back into Maine will be uh will be <laughs> in storm. um okay so how should people reach out to you if they want to stalk Sandy back for example or if they would like to learn more about what you're up to Kim how would you guys like people to reach out to you or learn more about what you're doing now
2: um you For know. me, it's, I am on Facebook and Instagram under the handle of Maine Kayak Girl, no spaces. So all one word combined. Um, that's the easiest way to, to get in touch with me. Um, and that happens to be my email address too at Gmail. So it's Maine Kayak Girl at Gmail um, and on Instagram. And I have a Facebook page as well. And um, every once in a while in the summertime, I will let people know where I'm going to be paddling if anybody wants to join me um, to do that. So that's kind of a fun way to meet new people.
0: And Maine Kayak Dog.
2: Yes, and my dog Gladys is main kayak <laughs> dog. Yes, she's on maybe, Instagram. She doesn't have a real page. Maybe we can meet her
0: if we go paddling. Yes, that's she, all. Does, she does come along with some adventures,
2: that's for sure.
0: Awesome, awesome. How about you, Sandy? Because the, the book has its own website, which is I yeah. think paddlingsouthernmaine.com. Um, lots exactly. of good info there and ways to kind of actually, you can stalk both of them through that website <laughs> as well. But, Sandy, what's you your can. preferred uh, method of communication or?
1: I mean, through to. that, through that um, kayak guide one, the number one, and I'm on Instagram. And I'm slightly more reclusive than Kim.
0: <laughs> you but don't uh, have to share your Gmail. I might take that part out anyway. I'm like, I don't, I don't want people harassing you like that.
2: that is, I think it's, I think well, it's pretty much out there anyway. Yeah, that's true. It's yeah, not that it, hard to find. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and, and if people want to get in touch with Sadie,
2: they could reach out to me too. And I can be the, <laughs> I'll be the gatekeeper. I'll, I'll send you to Sadie.
1: No, but I am on Instagram. I'm happy to hear from people. Um, And yeah, and go through the, uh, our website has uh, contacts for us as well, right?
0: Yeah, it does. And you can buy the book directly from there, either through the publisher. Mm-hmm. Or I think there's also an Amazon link on there. So it's, it's easy to find. And Yeah. Uh, yeah get yourself paddling in Southern Maine already, or, or not so Southern Same. Maine, kind of Southern-ish, <laughs> Southern-ish. Maine, not yes. really Southern okay. Maine, I, we all, we
2: all.
0: <laughs> no, this has been super fun, so thank you so much, ladies, for your time, any, any parting thoughts, anything we forgot to talk about that you want to make sure you throw out there?
2: Um, I think one thing for me is just a plan B option, and I think that, you know, we've, We've heard other people. I've heard on your podcast too of having a Plan B when you hike because if you get to a parking lot, and it's too full. Go someplace else. And obviously, right now with COVID and making sure that we are socially distanced, um, you know, there have been times where I've pulled into a parking lot and it's full, and so I go someplace else. Um, it's just the you know the right thing to do right now. But also with the weather that you mentioned earlier, you know, if you get to a, an open lake, a huge lake um, that you want to paddle on in the wind, it's too windy. It's just not smart to be there. So have a place nearby that is another backup place that's a little bit more protected so that you can still enjoy the day. Um, I always have, you know, plan B and plan C in my mind, depending on the weather conditions.
0: Yep. That's great. And it should go without saying, but if you are going up by yourself, obviously make sure somebody knows where you are and when you're back so that you have that kind of plan as well. Yes. How about you, Sandy, any parting, uh, words of wisdom no, I'm gonna from say the warmness? Yeah. Yeah. All
1: right. <laughs> no, I all could um I just thank you so much, Jen, for reaching back to my stocking. I really yes. appreciate you. I it. could it tell, tell you weren't real gonna real. let
0: you weren't gonna let this die. Zay, I could tell. You're <laughs> you you were gonna let no, I'm I'm totally kidding. She sent me like well, one not. one one very nice email. That was it. But That's I was all like,
1: that's my method. That's Kim. I just <laughs> slow but steady. It's just good that you wrote back right away, Jen,
2: because otherwise you would have a lot of emails. <laughs> Things would have gotten real. No, I was like, yes. I was
0: super stoked. So that's awesome. Well,
1: expect so. to hear from me again in the spring so we can go out. Oh,
0: absolutely. Absolutely. Yes, please. for sure. Let's do it. Let's do it. I got to get you guys up to the Western Maine, the actual Western Maine, and then we'll, we'll paddle over there too. So that yeah, was good. Super fun. So great. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for your time. Thank and you. we'll talk again soon. Lots to love in this one. Okay. So first off, Kim and Sandy are light years ahead on the no like and trust factors. I'm sure I'm not the only one who's had a hard time interpreting guidebooks in the past. You read about a trip or hike or paddle you want to do but then get lost trying to find the trailhead or you show up at the parking lot and it holds like two cars and there are already 10 other people jockeying for that last spot. Never mind when the book tells you something is easier, moderate or difficult. What does that even mean? But these ladies live in Maine, they paddle in Maine and in some cases face plant off SUPs in Maine. So I trust the advice and guidance they're providing. And now that I've hung out with them on Zoom for an hour, I definitely know them better and like them a ton. P.S. You'll have to come over to the episode page on guidesgonewell.com to see what all the face plant fuss is about. I also love Sandy's single-minded focus in bringing her book baby to life. She knew that this book was the thing she was supposed to bring into the world, and she kept at it until she saw it through. A book and a legacy to be proud of, that's for sure, and a real inspiration to me as I ponder and plan the future of this very podcast. So if you're within a few hours' drive of so-called Southern Maine, I hope you'll do yourself a solid and get yourself a copy of Paddling Southern Maine as an early or late birthday gift to yourself. Visit paddlingsouthernmaine.com where you can buy directly from the publisher or from Jeff Bezos if you must. You can follow Sandy on Instagram at kayakguide1, and Kim is all over the interwebs at Maine Kayak girl. Kim also continues to blog and add trip reports at kayakinginmaine.blogspot.com. And, of course, her trusty adventure companion, Miss Gladys, has her own Instagram handle at Maine Kayak dog. As always, all these links are in the show notes, so check them on out at guidescotwell.com. One final reminder from Sandy and Kim. The guidebook only gets you there. After that, it's your journey, your experience, and your adventure. So start thinking about how you're going to make it a little bit wild.